Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, y'all, I'm going to be honest. I cannot stop thinking about Cozy, which is some of the most thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living that I've ever seen. And we have talked about Cozy's beautiful products before, but I really want to harp on the Cozy experience itself. Because not only is the delivery fast and free, but the purchasing process itself is actually fun. As someone who is notoriously bad at making decisions and commitments to things, the fact that Cozy allows me to fully customize pieces and to then physically see them in my space through an augmented reality, well, they fully eliminated my fear of commitment. And when I say the furniture itself is so elegant, I mean it. Everything is carefully designed in Canada with the intention to enhance any space with high quality products at a fair price. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com to start customizing your furniture today. That's C-O-Z-E-Y dot com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. I know I do, but I think it's equally as important to know what you do with that time if you had it. But learning how to prioritize what's important to me didn't come naturally. It's taken a lot of wonderful, loving people, including a couple of really great therapists, to get me there. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I do believe the world would be so much better if everyone had access to a good therapist that did the right thing for them. But until we get to my perfect utopia, I will never stop searching for ways to make self-help and therapy and life improvement more accessible. So if you have personally been thinking of starting therapy, maybe BetterHelp is the right thing for you. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And ideally, if you find the right match for you, we can all learn how to make time for what makes us really happy. Visit betterhelp.com slash makeyourbed today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash makeyourbed. Good morning, good morning, sunshine. Welcome to another day of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. It's me, Julie Merica, back with your yearly reminder that you are a human being, not a human doing. Even though the structures and powers and systems that be have convinced us otherwise, you are not supposed to be spending all day, every day doing and or stressing. In fact, you're supposed to be prioritizing yourself before juggling any of the other shit. And listen, I do recognize that this is a privileged take that sounds like it can't really apply to everybody in this current capitalist hellscape. And I never want to underestimate that some of us are truly juggling the most demanding kids and jobs and pets and brains and livelihoods and health struggles that it is not manageable. But as counterintuitive as it sounds, the reminder still stands that you have to allow yourself to just be still for 30 seconds at a time, a couple times a day at least. If 
you want to get through all of those demands with any type of level head. And I understand that this might not feel possible right now, but if you have to involve those demanding ass customers and your kids and your pets and your friends, and you can get away with it, include them assholes. Because at this point in my life, I truly believe that sometimes you just need 10 seconds of silence. And if you have to steal away so you can have that, or if you have to demand it in the moment, I will be the first one to shut up. And once you're feeling better, I'll be the first one to praise you. It is cathartic and revolutionary to just sit and do diddly fucking shit. And if you can learn to sit without feeling guilty about it, you are really onto something. And listen, this will take practice. If you do need to justify sitting still, I will remind you that according to neuroscience, boredom has gotten a bad rap, but if approached properly, it can amp up your creativity, your task engagement, and your productivity. But I do think it's important to recognize what is restorative for you rather than just another way to disconnect because you are chronically overwhelmed. So today, I want to dig into all of the different meanings of boredom, since it is so frequently and commonly experienced, but in so many different contexts, sometimes it's motivating and other times it is discouraging. In the most conventional usage, boredom, ennui, or tedium is an emotional and occasionally psychological state experienced when someone is left without anything in particular to do, or at least that's how it feels. Maybe they feel listless or dissatisfied due to a lack of occupation or excitement or indulgence. Maybe they're not interested in their surroundings, or they feel like this period of time is dull or tedious. It's also understood by scholars as a modern phenomenon, which has more cultural dimension related to capitalism. And from what I've seen, there's no universally accepted definition of boredom. For whatever it is, most researchers agree that it is a specific mental state that people tend to find unpleasant because of a lack of stimulation that leaves them craving relief and often leads to a host of behavioral, medical, and social consequences. According to BBC News, boredom can be a dangerous and disruptive state of mind that damages your health. Yet research suggests that without boredom, we could never achieve anything creative. In Experience Without Qualities, Boredom and Modernity, Elizabeth Goldstein traces the modern discourse on boredom through literary, philosophical, and sociological text to find that as a discursively articulated phenomenon, boredom is at once objective and subjective, emotion and intellectualization. It's not just a response to the modern world, but also a historically constituted strategy for coping with its discontents. But either type of boredom really comes back to the experiencing of time. It makes time seem to dredge on. And because we interpret the meaning differently, it can feel more internally painful. But today, I want to dig into all of the different scholars with different definitions of boredom. And sure, it complicates research in the science community. But for me, as a person who feels different types of bored, it actually clarifies that a lot of the emotions I feel make more sense than the language I use for them. Anyway, Eric Fromm and other thinkers of critical theory speak of boredom as a common psychological response to industrial societies, where people are required to engage in a more alienated labor. According to Fromm, boredom is perhaps the most important source of aggression and destructiveness today. 
He says that our constant search for thrills and novelty are not solutions to boredom, but are just distractions from it. And because they continue unconsciously, it is really difficult to patch the cycle. But a different scholar, Cynthia D. Fisher, defines boredom in terms of its main central psychological process, an unpleasant, transient, effective state in which the individual feels a pervasive lack of interest and difficulty concentrating on the current activity. Whereas Mark Leary describes boredom as an effective experience associated with cognitive attentional processes. Robert Plutchik characterizes boredom as a mild form of disgust. In positive psychology, boredom is described as a response to a moderate challenge for which the subject has more than enough skill. This is why kids get bored when they're in classes that aren't challenging enough for them, or why you're not interested in games that are too easy. Without stimulation or focus, we as individuals are confronted with seemingly nothingness, And that can lead to a sense of meaninglessness, which can give us a little bit of existential anxiety. Heidegger is quoted as saying, profound boredom, drifting here and there in the abysses of our existence, like a muffling fog, removes all things and men and oneself along with it into a remarkable indifference. This boredom reveals being as a whole. Schopenhauer used the existence of boredom in an attempt to prove the vanity of human existence, stating, For if life, in the desire for which our essence and existence consists, possessed in itself a positive value and real content, there would be no such thing as boredom. Mere existence would fulfill and satisfy us. But the reason I brought up all of these definitions was to bring you to my favorite— in some Nguni languages, such as Zulu, boredom and loneliness are represented by the same word, which adds new dimension to the often quoted definition of Ubuntu, a person is a person through other people. So if boredom ever strikes you deeply and existentially, think about that definition and know that through connection, you will feel less of that existential dread that can come through those deep feelings of ennui or tedium, or boredom that can sometimes make the good things in life feel dreadful and can make the dreadful things in life feel unbearable. I guess what I'm getting from this is that boredom, when interpreted differently, can mean different things. So if you are struggling with one type, maybe you can channel it into a different type so that you can benefit from those differences. Either way, I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow while you make your damn bed. Bye, cutie.